Hi everyone, this is the Jade Marissa podcast and this is episode 20. I'm talking to you from Thailand about the good, bad and ugly in sports and pop culture. My guest today has been living and working in Phuket for a good amount of years now, indulging in Phuket's finest life at Tiger Muay Thai. He is the first foreign Thai martial arts teacher in Thailand. And when I mention martial arts, I'm not only talking about Muay Thai, I mean the real ancient stuff such as Moberan, kickboxing, Mai Mai Muay Thai, and so on. Here is Chris Lawrence. So what do you come? Thank you for coming on the show, Chris. Thank you for having me. Uh, can you just tell us a little bit about yourself, uh, where you were born, where you were raised, your nationality, age? Well, uh, born in Sweden, uh, mixed with uh, Swedish and American. Grew up there most of my life. Uh, now I'm 42 years old. And uh, yeah. Been traveling around, grew up different places, but mainly Sweden. Okay, so you grew, you grew up mostly in Sweden. Yeah. Oh, okay. And then, so but you also lived in America before. Yeah, I lived there for about twelve years. Did you start martial arts there or in Sweden? No, I started martial arts in Sweden. What did you start in? Judo when I was four. Uh, it was four? The, yeah, it was the only martial art you could do at a young age. Uh, so I started with judo when I was four years old. Did that just for a couple of years. Then uh, went into other martial arts. <laughs> How do you even have the motor skills to do? I think th like that's that. where judo is good because uh, it translates to the soft way, right? So it is about learning balancing, really. So as a four year old, we don't think too much, and it's easy to to program your body at that time. Mm. Whose choice was that? My mom's. <laughs> My mom's she thought I'll just throw you into judo. Yeah, like I said, I grew up in Sweden. Uh, I don't know, is that a normal thing that the Swedes do? No, but Not really. uh, as a mixed race in Sweden, uh, it was something she felt like I needed. Oh, yeah. that makes sense. So you did that for just two years? Yeah, two years, then went into karate, kung fu. Then at seven, I found taekwondo. Did it for 12 years. Uh, but also on the side, I was always doing other stuff, from kickboxing to more karate, aikido, Japanese jiu-jitsu, and... Many other martial arts, yeah. Wow. So, yeah. so you pretty much, in your youth, did such a range of different martial arts. Yes. Any other sports? Uh, yeah. also played uh, soccer and hockey. Damn. Yeah. Did you go to school? <laughs> a little <laughs> bit, joking. yeah, a little bit. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I probably spent more time doing sports. But yeah, no, wow. I, I did school, but also full-time sports pretty much. Uh, I was very fortunate. We had a, a sports center in, in my city, a martial arts center. So they offered like 12 different martial arts or something like that. Wow. So it was easy to be able to jump from one class to the other. That's a really nice opportunity for children, for young yeah, people. Yeah, absolutely. It was Disneyland, Disneyland for me. So Yeah. Um, what was your favorite martial art? I have to say... Taekwondo, uh, because that was my base and that's what I did most of my competition. And uh, I believe it's what helped me to understand my body the best, how to move and stuff. And Taekwondo is really good because it's dynamic and a lot of uh, plyometrics involved, jumping around. Exactly. Yeah, a lot of people uh, just make fun of it and they call it ballet and stuff like that. But I believe if you uh, can learn that martial art, then it's going to help you with any other martial art. Because they focus on form and technique instead of speed and power. I agree with that. But for fighting? 
For fighting, yeah, you have to translate it differently. In Taekwondo, uh, before you're 18, it's just point fighting. Uh, after that, depending what organization you compete for, but then you're allowed to knock out. But before that, you're not allowed to draw blood. So it is all just point fighting. Uh, is that because of the influence of the Olympics, that they just do the yeah, points? Yeah, exactly. Right. exactly yeah. So take away Olympics, if you were just to do normal Taekwondo, you're able to draw blood and knock the opponent out. Uh, absolutely. Like most people think that, yeah, there's no power involved, but with the correct technique, uh, speed and power comes by itself. So, mm. And it's about precision, not just swinging something, but actually aiming and placing it in the right place. I heard this, what they're trying to do with Muay Thai, because they they're, tr they're attempting to get into the Olympics, right? So what's your opinion on that, as well as they changing the, the rules of the sport? So you cannot have much knockouts. You cannot draw much bloody. It's not as brutal as real Muay Thai would be. Well, to me, then, honestly, it, it's not even Muay Thai anymore, then, right? Because uh, let's say from the beginning with Murbron, he was too lethal, and they made it into a sport called Muay Thai. And now if they're going to take away a lot of stuff from Muay Thai, then it becomes something else in a way, right? Yeah. More like kickboxing kind of, right? Yeah, that's true. I think that's really true. I mean, uh, they had the world championships just recently and someone told me someone had a bus, a bus nose and mm. they that's it they stopped the fight crazy yeah, that's yeah especially when you look at the the real sport of muay thai then then it's really crazy yeah so like when did you get into muay thai and how uh so in sweden you're not allowed to do muay thai until you're 15 uh because it's a, considered as a full count contact sport mm. And uh, the first place I went to, he actually called it Combat Muay Thai. So it sounded really cool. So I was like, oh, that, that sounds cool. So let me go to that one. And that's actually when I got introduced to Muay Baran first. So he was more about the combat style, meaning not the sports style. But So your so, teacher at the time, he knew Muay Baran as well? Yes, it was a oh. Singaporean guy. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, for some reason, he chose to just call it Combat Muay Thai instead of Muay Baran. Uh, and it wasn't until like yeah, when I came to Thailand, I realized, oh, hold on, I've done this. <laughs> uh, so at that time, I still didn't know there was Muay Brown. Um, so I did that for about two years. Then I ventured into Muay Thai instead because I was more looking to compete and stuff. So That's so funny that you learned Muay Brown before you learned Muay Thai and didn't even know what you were yeah, learning. Yeah, I didn't, didn't even know that. And that, that's similar to my dad, actually. He yeah. was doing Taekwondo. And his teacher was teaching him Muay Baran as well, and he didn't know what it was. And then later he figured out, oh, like now I've kind of mastered this skill in Muay Baran, and now that, I know what it is. That's kind of how it was for me too. Uh, and also, like I felt like because I went came from traditional martial arts, so combat Muay Thai was actually a good transition for me because it war, was more traditional. Yeah. But at that point, I wanted to compete, so I wanted a sports style. Uh, but I'm still great. It was still great to have that that basis of that. That that's where it started. You know? Definitely, that's so interesting to do more Brahma for more time. No, it definitely is a good base because you'll actually learn more techniques, and yeah, it's, and it's easier exactly. to do adapt to Muay Thai. Yes, from that. So yeah, absolutely. Mm, so let's go skip to this question. What's the difference between Muay Thai and Muay Baran? Just so you can explain that to people. Difference, it's hard. Just to so, explain the differences, yeah. 
to simplify it, uh, yeah. Muay Brown is combat style, meaning it was meant for war, and uh, Muay Thai is a sport. So I would say that's the big difference, really. But that they're two different things, no. Muay, Muay Thai is a descendant of Muay Brown. Uh, it's just the, what I call washed down to simplify it and made it into a sport to be safer. Mm-hmm. Where they put gloves, they put people in a ring. Exactly, yeah. They have more rules. And yes. when it came, like, I can't remember the years, but I'm sure you know about it. That Yeah, it was banned for quite a while because people died. And then they decided, okay, let's make rules and protection and all this stuff. And that's when it really turned into Muay Thai. Yeah, because Muay Brown originally... If they wanted people to sort of have a fight, they'd wear gloves. Uh, no, sorry, they'd wear ropes instead yep. of gloves, which would be not really the best protection for, any, for either fighter. Yeah, no, exactly. It didn't protect their hands either. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and back in the day, they only competed in front of King, actually. So it was like only a couple times a year they competed in front of King. No ring? Yeah. Well, actually, it was a real ring, <laughs> not a square. Uh, they would... It'd be in the sand, right? So they make like edges of sand in a circle. Mm -hmm. So that's where they fight. So that's a real ring. Uh, Was it like similar to sumo rules when you push someone out the circle? Yeah. Uh, Yeah. If you stepped outside the circle, you're obviously losing. Uh, Mm. Yeah. Even though it was KO rules at that time. Right. But you have more control. You have to control, like, you you have to be in the ring. You have to get more control of that or in the circle. So even now, when you think about the run moe and stuff, when sealing the ring, that comes from them walking around this circle, shaking for rocks and uneven ground and stuff. So that's what they did there in the beginning. They they shake the ground they're going to have the battle on to make sure that there's no big rocks and where it's uneven and stuff. So that's kind of how the old Ramui also started. There's some myths that say, like, old Mui brand fighters used to dip their wraps in, like, glass or... No? Movies. It's a myth? <laughs> no, okay. Yeah, that's completely a myth. <laughs> uh, yeah, that, that's definitely a myth. You know, because, you know, when they do the chicken fights, they put little blades on, yeah, on the back of yeah, their Yeah, all legs. over the world, actually. I, I went to see uh, chicken fights in Mexico, and they Whoa. did the same thing. Like, they super glued this, this razor blade to the thumb, I guess it is, yeah. on, on, on a chicken. Uh, yeah, so it's crazy. But, yeah, in Morbrand, no, never. Uh, if anything, they would dip it in water. Because it was made out of hemp, and as they soaked it, it became more dense. Oh. Uh, But also you see, obviously not many videos, but back in the day they would uh, drag their ropes across their face just to show that there wasn't anything. So before a fight would start, they would actually show on themselves that I'm clean, you know. That's so interesting. You just mentioned about the white crew. What's the white crew? Uh, The white crew is many things. First of most, it's showing respect to to your master, a teacher, uh, and also to whoever else stepped in the ring before. Uh, then it's also a spiritual thing about sealing off all the evil from the ring, um, and it's a warm up. Yeah, so it's like it looks like a dance that they perform before the fights, yeah. but actually it can be used for the stretching, the moving, and and like I said, just yes, the, when they're sealing off the ring. It's about checking your grounds, mm-hmm. checking the battlefield, kind of. Okay. So you started doing Muay Brand, then you got into Muay Thai. You got into Muay Thai in Sweden still, yeah, right? Yeah, in Sweden. Um, when did you come to Thailand? I came to Thailand in uh, 2012. So, yeah, about 
seven and a half years ago. And you would just just came here for a training vacation? Yeah, I, I was going to take a break from work uh, for a year. And um, I decided, okay, let me go to Thailand. And I was looking around at gyms and I ended up choosing Tiger because they had uh, Murbron and Krabi Kabong. I said, they have the options, so let me take that gym. Uh, ended up getting hurt after just a couple of months. I got plantar fasciitis, if you want oh. to say uh, so I couldn't jump or run or anything and started getting more involved with the Murbron and Krabi Kabong because it was less... Impactful. In, yeah, exactly. And uh, yeah, shortly after just a couple of months or so, Cruel, which is my teacher, he, he asked me if I want to help him teach and I saw this uh, awesome opportunity, you know, to get some experience and experience something new. So I jumped on it. That's cool. So... You became, you first of all, you helped Crew Oat teaching, and then of course you developed your skills over the time. So how long have you now been a Thai martial arts teacher? I would say, yeah, seven years at least. Seven uh, years. Yeah, and that's, a little bit more. That's yeah. consistently, you've not gone back to Sweden? No, full-time, full-time, yeah. Wow, how's um, life doing that? Life is now it's great. <laughs> now it's really great. Uh, no, it was challenges in the beginning. Uh, first two years, I wasn't even getting paid. Um, mm. I was just doing it like I looked at it as an apprenticeship. Uh, it was more about me gaining experience and, and stuff. It was never. It's still not about the money. Right, but of course you need to make a living. Yeah, though. yeah. Like Thailand is a cheaper place than America, let's say, but you still need money. <laughs> you yeah. still need to eat and of all this. Of course, stuff. and in Phuket, it's more expensive than Bangkok or other places. I don't know if I agree on that. It depends really? on where you stay. It depends oh, on where yeah. you I stay. Mean, yeah. Actually, you know what? The prices in Bangkok have gotten higher and higher over the years. Yeah. But transportation oh, yeah. is still much cheaper in Bangkok than in Unless Phuket. you have a motorbike. Unless you have your own <laughs> motorbike. There you go. Beat yeah. the system. So for the first two years... You were not getting paid, but you had like a type of sponsorship. You had accommodation. Yeah, uh, no, I had free training um, only. Yeah, then uh, after actually, had, after one year, I started getting a meal plan too. So mm. I had free food and, and uh, free training, and then um, Crow would let me uh, do privates under him. Okay, so that's kind of was able to scrape by. Uh, but yeah, one of the reasons why I came to Thailand in the beginning was to. Uh, Change my lifestyle again to humble myself and live a simple life. And money shouldn't be a, a main thing. Well, and now I, you're coming to Thailand anyway. Yeah, yeah no, but even people don't come to Thailand if you're thinking about making money. It's not a place. Yeah, no, it's not. And that's what I have to explain to a lot of people all the time because they they're so baffled by it. it's like why would especially Thais that you live in America? Why would you come to Thailand? Because hmm. Money isn't happiness. But uh, also, the Thais have a different image of what living in America or living in England or whatever. Like, yeah. they think of it as something else, what they see on TV, what they see in the movies. They think everyone's all Hollywood and yeah. everyone's, like, balling. <laughs> but that's not the case. People not at are all. struggling over there in the West. 85% of America is lower income. So it's actually the same like Thailand almost. I mean, like, it's not a big difference. Uh, yeah. It isn't. But yeah, you you see those four percent that are wealthy, and then you see the movies that where it makes everything look different than than it is in reality. And I lived in some rough places in America, so yeah, I, I definitely know. I think um, 
even on a lower income, you can get further in Thailand, like in terms of living, you can have more Absolutely. of an enjoyable life than Absolutely, in the West. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah. Okay, so you teach Mubaran. Yep. What else do you teach? I teach uh, Krabi Kabong. What is uh, that? Krabi Kabong is the Thai weapon system, right? So Mubaran is empty-handed, Krabi Kabong is the weapons uh, now, what we teach at Tiger, we only teach the Dub Thai, which is the Thai sword fighting, right? Mm-hmm. But Krabi Kabong is like, it's an umbrella almost, right? So oh, it's you know, I didn't even know that because we actually have Dub Thai or Krabi Kabong at my gym as well. But yeah. I just thought Krabi Kabong meant Dub Thai, which means Thai sword, which is the two nope. swords. Uh, literally translated, Krabi means sword, Krabong means staff. Oh. Uh, but it includes about 15 different weapons, like my sword. You're familiar with, right? That, my, that piece yeah, of wood that saw, they put in there. It's similar to like a tonfa. Uh, so you have my saw, you have knife, you have spear, you have bone arrow. Uh, yeah, so many different weapons. That's cool. So you yeah. teach. So you just learned Kabikabong when you arrived in Thailand? Yes, yes. Right. No, it's really nice. I need to learn it, actually. Yeah, you should. <laughs> I really should. should. I was planning that, you know, I was, I was doing Moe Baran. Um, I think I'm pretty good with that. I just can't remember the names. And like yeah. connecting the name with the ter- with the movement, but yeah, if I see people do, I can do the movement. That, no that's, problem. That's me. That's me all day. Yeah, I'm really bad. My memory is horrible lately. Not when it comes to moving, but when it comes to remembering names. The Thai and names stuff. Yeah. of different. And techniques. also, like we we teach in English all day. Oh yeah. So we sometimes we try to make the effort to make people try to learn the the real names. It's difficult. But most of them. It's only here for a shorter time. They're not really going to get it. So I feel like most of your customers are at Tag Muay Thai for a different reason. Like they just want the, the experience of it rather than. So if they went to my gym, it's mostly they're doing the crew course. Yeah. So they do it be, because it's part of their career. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So yeah, it's different. So yeah, you need just teach in English to make it easier. Yeah. And like for me, that's a big thing. Like I'm all about explaining everything. Like I'm the why is the house and. All this stuff. Uh, and especially everybody we teach, they're pretty much adults. Mm. So they need, especially with Westerners, they need an understanding just to even try to attempt to do it. Right. Without having a real understanding, it's hard for them to do it. No, I uh, definitely think that's important. You need to understand what you're doing and why you're doing it and how it applies to whatever. Yeah. yeah no, for me, it's all physics and geometrics kind of. Like if you could break it down a little bit to where they start to understand it, now they're going to get it. And not only that, when they have an understanding, they, then they can perfect it on their own. If they don't, they, they're yeah. going to be limited to how much they could improve themselves. Right? That makes a lot of sense. Um, how about Me Mai Muay Thai? What is that? Do you teach that? Yeah. Uh, so Me Mai Muay Thai, really, what it is, it's, uh, if you want to call it, it's what ties it all together in a way, right? So... You have all the fundamentals from all the steps, the different ways of walking and stepping, angles. Then you have all your defensive moves, and you have all your attack moves. Uh, and it's, Mehmai is pretty much just how you combine them all. Meaning like, oh, if you do Salaplan Pla, which could be considered as just a, uh, a zigzag walking. But then if you add a period with it now, you can use that to set up a counter, let's say, right? Mm-hmm. And the counter so, would be a Moiburan move. Yeah. Then yeah. Moiburan, they have different types of Moiburan as well. Yeah, there, there's uh, many different lineages. Uh, you know, I think now more and more people are getting away from uh, 
so much sticking to the same lineages as before because it's very it's kind of like with the old kung fu back in the day like mm. wait oh no no that's not kung fu this is and, and stuff like that uh so yeah i think more and more people starting to focus on also modernizing it a little bit more as for let's say back in the day they didn't really have hooks they had bien, which is swinging right now there's techniques that's been improved over the years uh, so that's true so the I influence think influence of other yeah, martial exactly. arts or exactly, whatever. Yeah. Right? So even if you look at the old Muay Bran and, and, and sports style Muay Thai, let's say, there are big differences there too on how you move or how you kick or punch or block and all this stuff because, yeah, certain techniques have been improved over the years. That's true. Yeah, like when you were talking about Kung Fu back then, um, I heard it developed from different families all around China. That's why for certain styles of Kung Fu, it's actually the family name. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Whereas Moiburan, it depends on the type of the different area that it yeah. originated. So, like Southern Moiburan, yeah, or, Chaya, yeah, which is Chaya Moi Chaya, yeah. are like from the middle. Miss Moiburan, right? Uh, yeah, yeah, we had Moi Karat, Moi Karat uh, from the north, Lopuri, uh, Yeah, there's many different ones. So that yeah. depends on the region that it develop develops from. Hmm. Okay, that's really cool. Um, so, whilst you're training or teaching, are you training yourself as well? Like any other, because Tiger Muay Thai offer so yeah, much. Yeah, we, we pretty much have everything there. Uh, <laughs> unfortunately enough, it, they all clash with my classes. So I can't do as much as I want to. Like I wish I could join more classes, but it's hard being a teacher and trying to do that at the same time. And also I'm not young no more. So now I, every now and then if I get a chance, I'll do. I even take a vacation before. Yes, so I could have some time Aww. to actually go and train myself. Um, so the classes I have a hard time joining. Uh, I do privates every now and then, uh, especially in Muay Thai um, and stuff, because I, I want to stay active still, you know, and I always want to keep developing. I mean, like, knowledge never ends. Yeah, totally. So we have so many great trainers there. So every now and then I'll, I'll switch it up a little bit just to get a different input and, and learn new tech, uh, I mean, tricks and stuff. Right? you're there, so you may as well get as much as you can. Yeah, exactly. I wish I could get a lot more though. I know yeah. because they have such great like jujitsu programs. Yeah, that, yeah, that too. Uh, our MMA scene or like the yeah MMA wrestling jujitsu, uh, it's really gone far now, like really far um, from our coaches uh, George Hickman and his brother Frank and uh, Stuart Cooper for the jujitsu and Alex Shield, uh, and then we also got really good kickboxing now um, <clears throat> with the. Uh, different trainers uh, from Raphael and a couple other trainers to do it. Uh, so, yeah, the, the, our MMA scene is blowing up. Yeah, you I get mean, so many famous fighters, like UFC fighters or whatever, going to Taiga Muay Thai to train yeah, in the training camps. Every day there's at least somebody. Now really? I think we have close to six or seven there at the moment uh, that's preparing for the Abu Dhabi uh, that's coming up soon, the UFC event. And they're making a UFC stadium in China, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I'm sure you'll probably get a lot more. Yeah. When that's yeah. Then finished. we're definitely gonna gonna get a lot more. Wow, people. it's gonna be busy. But even like we we got some of the Chinese uh, UFC fighters before, even oh. like years ago, um, they came to us because they got MMA in in China, but it wasn't as developed yet. Mm -hmm. So they they come to to Thailand or to Tiger instead to get the little extra. Right, and it's not just <coughs> that, but like when you're training at Tiger, you're training with people from all around the world. 
Yeah. So you're you're picking up styles from everywhere. You're learning how to compete against anyone from anywhere. So it's really advantageous. Yeah. Yeah, a lot of a lot of high level. So mm, that's yeah. really cool. Yeah. So tell me about your life in Phuket. Your life at Tiger Muay Thai. My life in Phuket's simple. Uh, it's really simple. Not now. beaching it. Every weekend? No, I, I used to. And now my friends that don't live in Thailand, they all complain. Why not at the beach? It's right there. And for me, that, that's enough sometimes. Having the option, sometimes that's enough. You don't have to use it <laughs> you all the time. can just visualize it. Yeah, I know. It's good. right there. <laughs> um, but yeah, also, if you do something all the time, then you you don't appreciate it anymore. That's so right. for me, like I go few times a year now only as for used to be a few times a week mm. uh, but I do appreciate it when I go and also I, I live close to beaches for my whole life almost uh, even from a city in, in Sweden to living in LA and then living in Miami and then now here so I've always been around beaches so it's not like it's something new for me mm, it makes sense so I know uh, in Phuket especially you've always got a turnover of people yeah yeah, yeah. that yeah. is a that can be a bit difficult. I mean, you have friends and then they leave. And yeah, that that was oh definitely a challenge in the beginning. Uh, we were I had a, two friends, especially uh, they were staying for for a year in the beginning, and uh, they ended up leaving at the same time. And uh, you know, like you go through that feeling, oh, I'm abandoned now. Uh, and then you have a hard time making friends again because you're so worried that they're gonna leave too. So it takes a little while to understand how to still make friends and. Knowing that just because somebody left didn't mean you lost them, right? Uh, so, yeah, no, now I know how to deal with it. And, and also, we have so many return students every year, the students that became my friends. Oh, so, that's nice. So that's always really nice. Uh, yeah, every year there's probably got about, I would say, closer to 150 return students wow. every year. They keep coming every year, maybe once or twice a year even. So Wow. I know like over the years, I'm sure since you've been at Tiger Muay Thai, there's been a lot of turnover regarding the staff and the management. Yeah, yeah. There's, uh, I would say, from when I first came, there's maybe, it's it's a big gym, right? So now we probably got closer to 100 staff. And there's probably only 20 that was from back in the day when I came. So yeah, wow. it, but it grew, right? So, But how about the management then? The management now, uh, they they know what they're doing. Let's say like that. They really don't do know what they're doing marketing wise and all the stuff. They they put money in and, and Thai or foreign? Uh, it's uh, Thai now. Yeah, it's Thai. Wow. Yeah, so yeah, they really know what they were doing. The old owners they weren't on the scene, so uh, they didn't have the same investment into it. It was more like, oh, this is my side investment kind of thing. Wow. As for now, the, the people who invest in now, this is like also part of your passion, it feels like. So they, they're really like putting full effort into it. And uh, yeah, you could tell, like you came, yeah. when was the first time you came? That was, was it last year? Yeah, it was no, the end, at the no, end the of, oh, the first time. A long time ago, yeah, many years ago, yeah, yeah, back then, something like that. Back then, I must say, Tiger Muay Thai wasn't the best. Yeah, no. Like the uh, the some of the trainers lacked enthusiasm, and no. they just a little bit run down. Then after that, after that manager, we had a different manager. Then things started to pick up after that person, yeah. and then now I went there just the end of last year, and oh my god, like it's it's amazing. It 
the gym has extended so much. All the equipment is just so nice. Yeah, I believe we we are one of the biggest gyms in Asia now. I'm if sure. not even in the world, maybe. Because it, it like connects to a mountain. It like spread over the mountain. Yeah, yeah, no, it's uh, it's insane. Like when you really think about, like if you see an aerial of the place, you'll see how big it really is. You know, like we have, we want we want a few Muay Thai gyms too to have separate classes. Meaning we have beginner, intermediate, advanced fighters, right? True. So we don't put everybody into a class and. Also, with the amount of people that we have, it's it's good that it's like that because it'd be difficult. Each to class probably got a minimum of thirty people every day. Wow! So, yeah, that's really good. Is there a day off? Sundays. Oh, Sundays is yeah. day off. And you were saying earlier, like Tiger Muay Thai, they plan to expand. Are they having some areas already? Yeah, so we have a second location in Shalong called the uh, Tiger Muay Thai Beach side. Uh, oh, is it? So it's near the beach, closer to the beach. Yeah, yeah. Kind of. A little bit closer. Yeah, it's on the inside. So it's the Shalong Bay. Okay. Right? Yeah, so call it, it's right by the water. Uh, so that's why they call it the uh, beach beach side. Uh, then we uh, Tiger is also opening up uh, another one in uh, Chiang Mai now. That's within the next couple of months. I think it's opening. Oh, so they've already started construction. Yeah, yeah. The ground is already there. Like it's it's close now. Have you been to see it? No, not yet. Not yet. Uh, hopefully, by the end of the year or beginning of the year. Okay. I still haven't been to Chiang Mai, so this really? is, yeah, no, so this is a good reason to go this up there. This guy too. needs to travel more around Thailand. Yeah, <laughs> yes, I do. Yes, I do. <laughs> okay, so you got one in Chalong in Phuket, one yeah. in Chiang Mai, and then I know, like, I, I'm kind of out of this because I go and do my work and I go home. Uh, but I know they they were in talks about doing something in China too. So. Wow. Yeah, they they are expanding. I mean, the fight scene in China is. But I would say it's expanding, but I feel like it's kind of drawn back a little bit as well now because of the tattoo thing. Yeah, oh, that's a big thing. But look at it now. If UFC is going to go there, they, they, yeah, like that's coming up now. Like, what is it, next weekend or something? But the stadium will be finished? No, so they got a big event in oh, China event. now. Like, yeah, they have it quite often a, in, your, in Shanghai, mostly. Yeah, so now this yeah. one is somewhere else uh, in China. And it's a title fight and all this stuff too. And the title holder has a bunch of tattoos and it's a woman even right so uh it's gonna be a big thing now like obviously the ufc knows about it and i'm sure china looks at the money and like oh hold on there's money let's let them do it you know you think they'll let them do it yeah well yeah. okay so the rule right now the the chinese government have put out this law that any fighter in any sort of fighting style so mma kickboxing muay thai boxing any of that if you have a tattoo, you have to cover it. Oh, in MMA, they don't even want that. You know, like so. Normally in MMA, like we had some fighters that had to do it in other places before, where they had to wear a rash guard. Yeah. But now they don't want it. They don't want that either. So they just don't want the fighter. Yep. Oh. But so we'll see what happens with this girl then. Yeah. No. Like it's UFC, right? So it, it, it's a big event and it's big money and and. Yeah, but the UFC Chinese is quite build, strict building with their, their rules. gym there too. Which uh, is a lot of jobs and all this stuff. Yeah. So if know. if they don't let UFC do their event because tattoos, I'm pretty sure uh, the way Dana White is, he's gonna pull out her. He's gonna close the gym and go home. We'll see. Chinese yeah. are very like 
their rules are like, is like their rules. I feel like you know that's yeah. why there's that problem with Hong Kong right now because j- I was just there. Oh, you were just there. <laughs> yeah, I was just there three weeks <gasps> Madness. ago. Madness. Um, we barely saw anything of it though. Um, we, actually, as we were leaving, we were walking to get the 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 train to the airport, and that's when we saw a little bit of protest. Uh, it was peaceful at that time, though. Um, but the news always makes stuff bigger. Yeah, but they're honestly. saying that the people who have been wanted by China who have fled to Hong Kong years ago now to get extradited. Yeah, now stuff, China yeah. is trying to get those people yeah. back because now they're kind of free from. Yeah, yeah. So I don't know if if they're that tight about that, then I don't think they're gonna weigh the rules of a tattoo. I think you know, everything always comes down to money. It seems like. Mm, yeah. Okay. Well, yeah, I hope so. Anyway, because it's no, no, it's I mean, weird to see fighters with like stickers over the tattoos or rash guards or. It, actually, now uh, yeah, you feel familiar with uh, Farido Kiko, right? Yeah. Uh, former champion, all the stuff. She she has fought there actually, and uh, she got tattoos. They didn't make her cover it. Not that I know. Oh. Yeah, she has fought there this uh, last weekend. I think it was yeah. So and there, were, I don't know them. Yeah, we we had a couple of other fighters that fought there. I guess it, maybe it depends on how big the promotion is as well. If it's I, televised, I think they haven't really enforced it yet. Even though they said they did. No, I've I've, I've had fighters who had to cover their tattoos. Oh, and, really? Yeah. And also, there was one promotion that came to Thailand to do the production in Thailand because it's mm-hmm. cheaper. And then my so my fighter went to go fight on it, and he had to wear a t-shirt because his back is covered in tattoos. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. We'll see. Uh, it's so sad because I, I guess their whole reasoning behind it is because the whole triads thing, mm-hmm. right? Like same with Japan. You, well, like Korea, me. South Korea. Yeah, they, they're the same. So we had one fighter, Bruno Miranda, Brazilian guy. Every time he fought in Korea, he had to wear a rash guard mm. just because of that. Uh, but he has fought in Macau. Uh, now when I was in Hong Kong and he didn't have to there. Yeah, but Macau is a bit different. Yeah, it's the Vegas of... So of Asia, so, yeah. <laughs> all right. So there might be opening one in China. We'll see. Um, yeah. But you said like right now for Moiburan Thai martial arts and Tag Muay Thai, it's only you and Crew Oat. Yeah, cool. So yeah. do they plan to have those classes in the other uh, branches, or how how will that work uh, out? They haven't talked to us about oh, it. So yeah, oh. yeah. No, so I don't know at all. Uh, how popular are your classes? It varies, I would say. Uh, some days we have a lot. Some days we don't have so many. Uh, our classes are more word of mouth, I would say. It's mm. like somebody comes to a class and, oh, this is cool. And then they tell people about it. Right. So that's kind of how we get most of our students. Then we also get a lot of return uh, students. And a lot of people... We we get a lot of groups that come from like traditional gyms and stuff like traditional martial arts. They tend to always come to our classes. So every now and then we get like a group of let's say a karate school from England. Let's mm-hmm. say right. So then we have like twenty of those in class, wow. uh, and that's always a pleasure because when it comes down to all t- traditional martial arts, the bases are the same. So they tend to understand it a lot easier. And I think if you learn. Muay Buran, which would be the base, then it's easier to do Muay Thai, like I said. So it does teach you more body awareness. Yeah, uh, we I get the the comment um, the comment all the time is that people say that sometimes they feel like they learn more in one class 
than one week. And I Definitely. think it's because we slow everything down and mm-hmm. nothing is about speed and power. And we really focus on each person in class. Uh, and that's why I'm kind of happy that it's not bigger because we're just two people. Uh, we want to get a, be able to give 100% to each person in class and also really make them understand it. Yeah. So I always go out my way trying to explain stuff. Like, And if I can't really explain I'm going to twist them and torque them and try to help them to really understand the movement. How's your Thai language? Pump up Tamadai. Midai, Midai. Midai means cannot. It's a second. Yeah, no, my, my embarrassing enough, my Thai is horrible. I wish I, I, I really wish I could speak it, but yeah, I could order food and that's about it. I mean, my Thai is not great. Yeah, come I on need now. to. Your Thai is good. I need to get a tutor. You don't play yourself too much. No, your Thai is good. <laughs> if I'm talking about Muay Thai, I can have a conversation for hours, but anything yeah. else? Maybe not. <laughs> Go to the hairdressers. I'm like, okay, very limited in what I can say. Uh-huh. Yeah, for me, it's uh, food. <laughs> that's yeah. when I could, I could order food. No, like, that's the thing with me. Like, I really want to speak it. I always have. Uh, I just, I'm not a, I can't go to school. I right. want to, but when I'm finished with work, I want to be finished. I don't want to be like, oh, I need to go to class. You can do it now. the e- easy way and get a Thai girlfriend. Is that easy though? <laughs> no, that's not <laughs> easy. It may be easy to learn time, but difficult in yeah, other Yeah, that, that's definitely not easy. <laughs> <laughs> no, so let's say like I, I have had girlfriends before. They were trying to help me, you know, teach me and stuff. And, and it would help, absolutely. But then now with Thai, it's also dialects, right? Such a big oh, difference in dialects, yeah, right? So depending di- where they came dialect from. dialect is difficult. Yes, yeah, southern, northern, northeast, like it's so different. Uh, oh, that's true. And then, yeah, once I'm not with somebody and then I don't use it for, for a while, now I lose it. So yeah. then I, I forget it again. So my vocabulary is great, but putting sentences together, it's its a challenge. It is. Yeah. And the tones. Are you aware like of the Thai that you do learn, if it is like the general Thai or if it's like Southern Thai or Northern Thai? Are you aware? Yeah, yeah, that, that I am kind of aware. Okay. Uh, I think I'll... I, I think sometimes I say Isan words in Isan than, yeah, than anything. So Isan is Northern Thailand. It's where most of like the Thai boxers and Thai trainers are yeah, from. Yeah, Northeast Thailand. So yeah. sometimes we pick up that accent or some of that those vocabulary. And yeah, I guess there's some people that consider it incorrect, but it's all where you come from, right? It's like country, you know, country language. So. Yeah, same with the South Thai. I mean, like yeah. it's a little bit not lazier. It's I, I call it soft. It like, sounds. Like, like instead of sawati cup, they say sawati cup. Mm. So they shorten it a little bit and it flows a little bit differently, I would say. Definitely. So Tiger Road for sure has changed Ooh. so much over the years. <laughs> yeah. uh, it, I mean, Explain like, what, what is Tiger Road? Explain it. Tiger Road, it, it's so many names now, right? Like Tiger Road, uh, Fighter Street, uh Fitness MMA Street. Like, it has so many different Wait, names. Wait, what's the actual name of the road? Soi Tayet. Soi Tayet. Yeah. But I even I know it as Tiger Road. Yeah. Um, you know, when I came, there was barely anything there. I remember right next to Tiger, there was a big rubber tree plantation. So it's like, almost like, you almost felt like you were in the jungle. A lot of nature, and I loved it. Personally, I really loved it. But now with all the gyms and massage places, tattoos, convenience stores, and all this stuff. 
I guess for a guest, it is heaven because mm-hmm. now you get so many options. So all the healthy food, too, from super healthy food to vegan to still Thai food and other Western Steroids. food. <laughs> so, yeah, there, there's been the talk about that, too. Uh, when I came, absolutely. Uh, Honestly, I think 50% of the people in the gym are on steroids. Uh, now I think it's way less. Oh, really? That's really good. Now we get so many health-conscious people. Wow. Right? The, the yeah. eat as healthy and as can. And years ago, CrossFit was really popular at the yeah. time. And every like nutrition shop that you go to, they'd have a book, a catalog of just steroids. Yeah, they had two books. And all <laughs> no, these people walking does, around with like, yeah. ripped Super ripped people, but yeah. Now they yeah, no, I think, I think, yeah, it's changed now over the years. Even though now, now I guess the new thing now is like TRT, which is testosterone replacement therapy, which is a healthy way. Right? But why would you replace it? No, it so enhances. it's as somebody gets older and men get oh. older, our testosterone drops, right? So to feel younger and healthier, it's not about building muscle, right? Mm. So it's more... Improves recovery. So there's many public figures that do it. They're wide open about it. Joe Rogan, for instance, that's Mm. a good example. He's been on it for, he said, over 10 years already, right? So him and a bunch of other people. And they do it not to build muscle, but for the health. Instead of feeling like you're 40-something, you're feeling like you're 25 again. And you recover better and (laughs) and stuff like that. So I guess those are kind of new ways that people go about stuff now. Instead of just trying to... Look like Arnold Schwarzenegger. Right, but I'm sure, I mean, if you were an Olympic athlete, would that test? Uh, in the Olympics, you're not allowed to. Not allowed no. to. Most sports, not allowed to. Uh, in MMA, it was allowed up until just a few years ago. UFC. They changed it. Yeah. yeah, they just changed it a few years ago. Um, but before that, yeah, it was allowed. Uh, there were several fighters, uh, they were, yeah, in Closer to the 40s and stuff, and they were competing against young guys. So, so interesting. To me, like, when it's something that affects your performance in sports, it shouldn't be allowed. No. Uh, that, that's my opinion. Because right? either, either you're young or you're old. That's, that's just how life is, mm-hmm. right? But if it's just for your daily life, for, for your health and feeling better about yourself, then to each their own, right? But for sports, no. I'm, yeah, I'm but it gives young. you such an advantage if you're playing Absolutely. a sport. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Same now. In, uh, now they had a big problem with EPO, which is same with, uh, what's his name? Armstrong took uh, the cyclist. EPO is? I forgot what it translates. Is it a steroid? Or yeah, it's a, yeah, it's a steroid, but okay. uh, really like a performance enhancement. Right. Uh, as performance uh, enhancing as could be. So there, there was somebody just got busted in the UFC for it. And yeah, it's one of those that, there's no mistakes made. It's not a tainted supplement or anything like that. No, this one you have to inject. Okay. Yeah, so it's no mistake or whatever. And it gives you a very, very high advantage. It's like a real performance, performance. Speed, focus. Endurance, muscle. all of it, yeah. Wow. Recovery, everything you can imagine, yeah. That's crazy. Yeah, and no, I'm very, like, when it comes to sports, keep it clean, uh, yeah. in my opinion. Yeah. That's why I always appreciate kind of, like, Olympic sports, too, and amateur boxing, because it was always cleaner in a way. Mm-hmm. Although they changed the sports. Yeah, yeah now it's sad again. <laughs> okay, so going back to that question, um, Tiger Road, then and now. Yeah, so, like I said, back then, it was almost like a jungle. Uh, very few things on the street. There was, like, one little, like, mom's and pops a little convenience store like 
barely had anything, some water and some noodles or <laughs> whatever. Uh, and if you needed like something else, you had to walk off the streets for like 15 minutes just to get something. Uh, there was maybe about five massage places, I think, and three tattoo shops or something like that. And 10 restaurants, maybe. Wow. Now, uh, we fast forward. What now? Yeah. 10 for years? Me, Let's say 10 years? Yeah. I think years. I went there. Yeah, for me, I would say like I went there ten years ago, and it was similar to how you described, mm-hmm. like kind of jungleish, not really yeah. much. And then now, now it's like, I mean, like for somebody that's into martial arts, fitness, and all, it's a mecca. It really mm-hmm. is. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can't walk five minutes without, or even one minute without finding a restaurant or a convenience store, or a massage place, or a tattoo shop. It's all right there. There's so many Muay Thai gyms and MMA, but like mostly Muay Thai. Yeah, there's there's so uh, many. Like they're just next to each other. Yeah, that part I don't understand. (laughs) I mean, competition's so high there already. There's how can you get competitive? Three main gyms that's been there for the longest, right? Then they always been big competitors. Uh, then now there's like another three or four gyms that open it too. Try and compete with this and. To me, that makes no sense. Uh, and that goes for all the business on the street, kind of, because if one person is doing good, don't do the same thing right next to them, because <laughs> now you're killing both businesses. Yeah, you know? yeah. I remember back in the day, they had Tiger, Dragon, and, and PTT. Yeah, exactly. With those three, right? And yeah. then now, yeah, now countless, yeah. countless. Chok Chai, Singh, uh, some other one too, uh, uh, T&Y. Yeah, you're familiar. Uh, <laughs> and uh, yeah, I think those are the new ones now. That are, are you getting are a lot of Chinese? More. Yeah, we get a lot of Chinese now. But it's not the same Chinese as we used to get. Before, we used to just get these big groups, right? Now we get just random single Individual. person here and stuff. And I see a big difference in the Chinese. They're a lot more westernized in a way. Uh yeah, maybe not all of them still don't speak English, but the way they carry themselves and the way they act and stuff, mm-hmm. um, I really enjoy teaching them. Uh, I even make an effort to try and learn as little, uh, a little bit just to help myself be able how to bu- help how? Them. Yeah, ni hao. Ni hao, yeah, how bu- how? Be able to count to four, right? <laughs> it's <laughs> yeah, always good to know. Uh, um, I think a few years ago, so we had like that, the boom of the Chinese coming into Thailand, yeah. you know, like coming in, in tour groups and this and that. Then the Thais didn't really take very good care of them. Yeah. You know, even though the Chinese came over and they invested so much money, they spent so much money, um, the people, just the locals took advantage of that, didn't take care of them. And now the, the Chinese government have kind of pulled back all those uh, investments that they've made abroad. And they're that's still, why now you're getting the international. They're still investing, though. Uh, the, lo- uh, the singles, I mean. They're still investing, though. Like, Chinese is still coming all the time. But not as uh, groups. N- yeah, not as groups anymore. Right. Uh, but now, I don't know if you heard that Thailand, they're making um, special visas now for the Chinese and the Indians. Uh, they got 15 days or something now. Like Only? I think you got more than that, no? Yeah, it was something now. With, like, no Maybe passport they thing, they said. like No passport? Yeah, meaning, like, they're going to be able to travel, like, uh, let's say, within South- Southeast Asia or ASEA. As a Thai, you could travel with your uh, driver's license. Yes. You don't well, need within your pa- the whole of ASEAN? Yeah. 
Really? So that's what they're doing now, something like but that. But usually right? I don't need a visa anyway if I go to like other Southeast Asian countries. Yeah, if you're not staying more than 30 But Chinese days, yeah. is not. They're not Southeast Asian. So. Yeah, no, uh, but that's what Thailand's doing now. They're trying to open up to them same as they do with the rest of Southeast Asia. Yeah, because Indians and Chinese are now the top tourists yeah. that come to Thailand. Yeah, no, they really are. Yeah. Yeah, we, we get a lot of Indians, actually. Really? Uh, we... Um, so there's a martial art called uh, Kudo, mm-hmm. and it's one of the biggest martial arts in India. So we get these big groups. They come like 50 people at once. It's really cool because they're anywhere from like a five-year-old to, to a 50-year-old. They do travel, travel uh, in big packs. Yeah, no, and they all do, which is it's like a traditional martial art. So they're all so disciplined. They listen so well, and uh, we I'm always happy when they come. They're really a pleasure to have and really nice people now. They've been coming for the last, what, three or four years now, I think. So it's really nice. Wow, actually. that's a big investment for them on their part. Yeah. The yeah, no, Indian eco- economy is doing yeah. okay. I mean, the tech industry over there is like booming, right? Yeah. They're so good at like computer development and all this website development. And service, right? Yeah. That, that, that they've always been known for. Mm. They're doing the tech service on, on, the, on the phones. Um, has Phuket changed much over the years? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, now it's grown. Yeah, it's grown, but also not died. But this this year, it's sad to see how low tourism is. Like we are pretty much a tiger. We're the only place that's really doing good. Mm. The rest of Phuket is really suffering. Uh, Patong maybe not as bad, but still not like it used to be. But the rest of Phuket, it's really sad to see. Like businesses are shutting down. Uh, yeah, not a lot of tourists anymore. Uh, it seems like you know, certain areas, like it's almost. Do vacated. you think it's because of the new immigration policies that are in Thailand? No, I think it started 2014 with the martial law going on and oh, all that stuff. Uh, and the Thais also made a point at that time. They said we don't want the backpackers. We we want the wealthy tourists. Yeah. Uh, instead of having a steady flow of many tourists, they wanted the the few. Uh, to me, it makes no sense. That's not what yeah. makes a country is, or makes an economy strong. You get the wealthy; they might stay at this fancy resort, and that's the only place they spend money. As for a backpacker, they're gonna jump around everywhere and spend money. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, it's kind of sad that, that it happened because yeah, now you see the little people suffering, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. The big business, like fancy restaurants and hotels, they might still do okay, but all the small businesses are really suffering. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. That's a shame. Yeah, yeah. So I think, like going back to the Chinese thing as well, like, like I said, when they saw so many of the Chinese groups, I mean, a lot of the businesses would change and sort of cater only to the Chinese. Yeah, absolutely. And of you course, went from the Russians to the Chinese. Yeah, kind of, yeah. yeah. And then now that they've declined, that they have like this Chinese store that other foreigners don't want to go there. Yeah, yeah, yeah no, exactly. Uh, Even the prices are higher, I think. And this... I'm in Thailand, so I can't say too much. Yeah. But no, there's one thing about the mentality here is that if business is bad, let's make it more expensive. Yeah. When when it should be the complete opposite way. Uh, instead of focusing on getting a hundred people to spend ten thousand, get a thousand people to spend a thousand. Mm-hmm. Right? Like the math says it. Yeah. Says it itself. You know, like. That's it. They don't. They don't plan long term. They yeah, always no, think of the now. But that's very Buddhism. You know, that's very Buddhist. Like it's yeah. living the moment. 
So yeah. that's yeah, really what Thai people live by is living in the moment. They don't plan long term, which is not beneficial for a long term business plan, yeah. for example. Yeah, no. Like yeah. Uh, I just went to uh, we got a weekend market or night market uh, in Phuket, uh, and I went Sunday because I wanted to go look for some stuff. And let's say a pair of flip flops, they used to be a hundred baht. Now they're two hundred baht. And because there's barely any business there, now they're in a bad mood on top of that too. So you can't bother anything. It's like, oh, but it used to be this. And even trying to be friendly and say something in Thai, and they're like, no. Uh, So yeah, with with the economy or tourism going down, it affects their mental state too. You know, like now they're suffering. Yeah, because before they got greedy, I think. So they got a lot at one time. They made them greedy, they put the prices up, and then now they don't want to put the prices back down, even though it would work. They used to do that thing with, oh, it's high season, we raised the prices. But they never went back down. And each high season, they keep raising the prices. Damn. Like you say, going to uh, Bangla Stadium, I think it's like, one of the tickets is like 1,800 baht or something now. It's really expensive. And I think it used to be 700 when I came. You have like three stadiums in Phuket, right? No. no. Oh, three, three stadiums. Yeah. I thought you said free. Definitely not free. No, uh, we got... Um, Bangla. Bangla, Pat- uh, Sanamian, Patong Stadium. Patong. And then they opened another one called Galaxy and uh, Rawai Stadium. They clo- There used to be another one, Suwit, but... From what I heard, they closed that down for a while. So, yeah, I think we got four now. Four Muay Thai stadiums. Yeah. That's a lot. Yeah. But I doubt they, they can But they're all different out. too, though, right? So, let's say Bangla Stadium, that's what everybody considers to be the tourist stadium. It's where they... But the location's put, good. Yeah, location is great. Yeah. yeah, it's right there. People walk past it all the time. Uh, Sanam Yen, which is uh, Patong Stadium, uh, it's a little bit more tucked away. But it's where you get the higher level <coughs> experience, mm. I would say. The better fighters. And the same with Rawai Stadium. Either it's local fighters or you also get some higher level there. As for uh, Bangla, it's more just a spectacle. <laughs> anyway, let's put on the, the fights from the tourists so, so they could cheer for their people. Kind of. Right. Do you feel like there's been more, more international fighters coming to Thailand over the years? Uh, yeah, yeah yes and no. Mm. Yes and no. Uh, I mean, like, it, it's so hard. Like, for me, I don't know if it's just Tiger or what, but it's just more and more. You're so. just in a different world. In yeah, Tiger, no, more like, thing. no yeah, really, because it just keeps growing there. Yeah. Like, every year, it's just more and more and more and more. So it, it's so hard for me to see the rest of Thailand and what it's going through. Yeah. yeah, I suppose that's true. But, I mean... Because if there's more fighters, I obviously need more fights. So that, or having four stadiums might be okay. But then if there's less tourists, then they can't sell as many tickets. So then how can they afford to pay these fighters? Yeah. Even though, like, the, let's say now, like, <clears throat> so the way it works a lot of times, if there's uh, a fighter from a gym, then the trainers are normally trying to sell tickets and stuff too. Oh, okay. So normally if, like, there's somebody that fights a tiger – then it's easier. they probably sell about 40 tickets or so. So right there, yes, from Tiger, you're going to have like 40, 50 people right. going. Right, so the, so the stadiums plus the must get someone and, from Tiger Muay Thai. Yeah, That's then smart. they make money, right? So, yeah. Damn, okay. <coughs> That's true. Huh. Um, do you see yourself living in Phuket forever? Can't answer. Don't know? One day at a time. Yeah. Like I was just supposed to be... Living in the moment. Yeah, I was supposed <laughs> to be there for a year. 
And then I kept saying, oh, one more year, one more year. And now it's yeah, soon going to eight years. And eight years. I don't know. Like, uh, I'm very uh, content right now. Then that, that's I'm, fine. Yeah. That's a good place to be. Yeah, no. Also, I'm, I'm older. And my, my goal is probably to open my own, my own gym eventually in the States. Okay, not on Tiger Road, right? <laughs> yeah, no, right next to it. <laughs> <laughs> no, in the States. <clears throat> Oh, okay. So when it comes to that, like the longer I'm out here and gaining experience, the better. You know? Where in the states? If anywhere, in Miami. Mm, I've never been there. Need to go. Need to go. Yes, yes. Mm. If you like hot weather, like. Do you have dual citizen? You have Swedish yeah. and American. <clears throat> okay, then that's good. So you, yeah, that would be your goal. Yeah. That, was, that was literally my next question. What would your future goal be? That that would be it. Even though, like, it, it's about passion, <clears throat> passion, not money. Uh, I, I, I know a few people that own gyms, and there's nothing fun about it. No. Yeah, uh, yeah. You, you you know a bit about there's this. No, yeah. There's nothing fun about it. It's all work. A gym. All it's work. All work. Very very <clears throat> stressful. Because it's all people. Muay Thai yeah. gym or any martial arts gym is all people. I understand if you own a fitness gym, you got equipment. That's fine. But yeah, managing people is like the hardest thing. Yeah, no, absolutely. So. Managing Thai fighters is. Much harder than that. <laughs> like I can't even explain how difficult, you know, but um, you got to be mentally strong and figure out their way and your way and somehow come to a compromise to make it work. Yeah, like it's something that I would love to do if I had Survival a of the strongest, I would call yeah, it. Yeah, it really is. But uh, I would love to bring, be able to bring some of the Thai trainers over to the States, mm-hmm. like maybe one day a month and then go back and somebody else come. I would love to do that thing eventually. Uh, just for them to get their experience, traveling, traveling abroad, make some some better money for a little while yeah. and stuff, you know. And also so the people that come and train at my gym would be able to get the authentic feeling behind it too, you know. Not say there's the whole thing of like, I'm dealing, I've been dealing with them on a daily basis before, like, I didn't come to Thailand to learn traditional Thai martial art from a foreigner, right? Uh, but it's like I tell people, if you're going to learn a new language, would you want a native speaker or do you want somebody to learn it? And most people always say native speaker, but then I say, but think about it. If it's somebody who spoke your language, let's say now it's American or English, right? And they had to learn Thai. They've been through that. Mm. I think they're going to be able to help me better. Because they know the challenges. They know yeah. what to emphasize. Yeah. Like they have that famous, native, the famous thing called a uh, famous YouTube channel, Learn Thai from a White Guy. Yeah, yeah, that guy, right? <laughs> no, because the native speaker, they don't know. How to explain. They grew up learning it, right? Yeah. As a kid. And that's so different than being an adult. That's so true. So in, in like some in Thai language, you'd be like, but why is this like that? And they'd just be like, because it is. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> like, like in oh, Muay Thai. Okay. No, in Muay Thai, don't ask. No, no, yes, do. Yes, do. But what should it? No, 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 no. Don't ask. Yes, do. Um, (laughs) And I think, like, let's say now with uh, teaching, like teaching with cruel. So we try to balance each other. I think that's a nice thing, like, because my teachers at Looked Fire also, they do, they all Mm. learn Muay Buran and learn how to teach them Muay Buran. So because of that, they've applied it in their Muay Thai classes. So they do explain things for people who don't know or have questions. Yeah, yeah, Muay, Muay Thai fighters, or let's say, when kids start to be a Muay Thai fighter, it's not about learning to understand it. It's about learning how to do it. Yeah. And then you understand it as you go along, kind of, right? But if it works, you don't question it. Uh, so because they have a harder time explaining because they, they never 
kind of explain to themselves. Yeah, right? yeah, that's true. They just did it since they were so young. Yeah, they already automatically, and they had they have an answer for this move or this move or whatever. Yeah, no, and that, that's always been my thing as a teacher. Like I, I was teaching other stuff before, and I always felt like I don't want to be the one that can't answer a question because mm. I feel like if you can't answer a question, you, you're losing trust. That's true. So for me, like even when Creole asked me to help start teaching, I said, I don't think I'm ready. And he said, no, no, you're not. No, you are. I mean, and I said, I don't know. Like, what if they ask this? I don't know how to answer that or this and that. So in the beginning, that was my challenge there. But you learn through experience at the same time. I mean, yeah. if they ask a question, you're like, oh, actually, I do know the answer. You know, let's say, especially with movement, like the way I do it, I just do it myself yeah. and then I break it down in my head. And But... <clears throat> Something that happens in, in, in certain sports and stuff uh, is that people get used to just teaching their way. Mm-hmm. This works for me. This is what you're doing. That's true. As we're all individuals. We're all even, so yeah. different. Yeah, there are, and even Muay Thai fighters, they have a different style. Yeah, so then they all, teach you a different style, yeah, even though it's still Muay Thai. It depends on how you build, how you're moving, uh, speed, power, all this stuff. So for me, it's all individual. Meaning like even during class, I could have 20 people in class. I'm going to show the techniques, but then at the same time, as I walk around from each student, I'm going to explain it differently because mm-hmm. I need to make them understand and make it work for them. And I just force it onto them like this is the only way. And that's a big thing. That's true because people are different. Like, say you've got like a really tall, skinny person against a, a short, so, sort of stocky person, they may do something a little bit differently. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 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 And also <laughs> just the understanding of it. Like mm. somebody like – some things are common sense for some people and it's not for other people, right? Have you ever fought? Yeah. Uh, in Muay Thai? Yeah, only once out here. Uh, I was too old. You were too old? <laughs> I was 35 already. Oh, no. Is yeah, and I, I, I didn't have the... Actually, I, I fought for food. <laughs> uh, no, it, it was kind of one of those situations where I wasn't doing too good out here financially. Uh, but I still wanted to experience too, though. Uh, Who'd you fight? Do you remember? Uh, what was his name? Yoda Wood, I think. It was a, oh, Thai. Yeah, it was a Thai. For uh, your first fight. Yeah. yeah it, he was what some people consider as a tuk-tuk fighter. Oh, right? okay. So he had a full-time job and stuff like that. But he had experience. Though. Um, but it wasn't, I lost the fight on decision. Uh, but it was more me losing than him winning. Uh as the fight, no nerves at all gone into the fight. But as soon as that bell rung, uh, my body didn't want to function no more. Oh, no. Uh, I was telling it to do stuff. It didn't want to work. And then... You I just felt heavy? I felt locked up. Like, oh. I would tell myself, like, jab. And it wouldn't even move. And I'm like, okay, kick. Uh-huh. Not that either. <laughs> and then I had to start, like, swinging almost just to actually get my body to move. Like... Uh, yeah, it was a ho- horrible feeling. Why do you feeling. think that? It was the nerves that kicked in, like everything at the same time. And then... How was your training before that? Did you train enough? Yeah, maybe not. But let's say like that. I, I trained enough, but on a Thai diet, which is not something my body's used to. It was like mm. two fried rice a day. That was, that was my diet. Yeah, that's <laughs> not the best nutrition. Yeah, no, know. especially not for me, like what so, I'm used and you were, to. And you woke up in the morning, you ran a lot, you did everything yeah, that you needed yeah, to do. Yeah, I did the classes and all the running, all the stuff. And I was in good condition. Like, so I didn't bo- get so tired. So your body was ready. Yeah, I didn't get tired during It was all fight. mental. Uh, it was all mental, all mental. Uh, and yeah, it was just, I had a nightmare my whole life of, you're throwing a punch and it's like a pillow. That That's exactly what this was like. I had that nightmare my whole life 
and now it's real life. Um, so yeah, it's like I was gonna do something, and I was like, but if I do this, maybe he does that. So I kept really? questioning everything I was gonna do, which made me not do anything. Uh, That's so interesting. If you was to go back in time and redo it, would you? And if you did, what would you do differently to make sure that you did not do that? Now, uh, like the one thing I would have done differently is try to get rid. Actually, I wish I would have got nervous before the fight. That was my number one thing. Not in the fight. Yeah, not when the bell rings and you start the fight. No, no. I, I wish I was nervous leading up to the fight because then you get to work and deal with it. A and little you build bit. up adrenaline and you released it a little bit. Yeah. Uh, why? Also, why like, was it? Why did you not get nervous before the fight? I don't even know. Uh, that's me with most of the stuff, except this interview. <laughs> I was nervous yesterday. No, um, I don't know. Uh, normally, I'm I'm quite good with reading myself mentally and all this stuff. And also, I am normally not nervous easy. So I didn't think it was going to come. Uh, so when I wasn't nervous before the fight, I was like, oh, whatever. Mm-hmm. It's a competition. <clears throat> I competed a lot when I was younger. Right. But yeah, it had been 15 years since I competed at that time. Wow. Do you think there's anything that would have happened maybe in the past when you competed that would have sparked this nerve? It would never happen back then. <clears throat> back then I had a more like a killer mentality. So you like, literally just psyched yourself out? Yeah. Now, honestly, I don't like hurting people. Mm. I haven't been in a single, like growing up in Sweden, I was in a lot of fights outside the ring. Uh now I haven't been in a single fight in 20 years. Like, uh, I don't believe in violence anymore. I believe yeah. in sports, yes. But I'd rather watch them than being the one in there hurting somebody. Uh, so I feel that too, actually. I think it's like when you get it out when you're younger, when, through your youth, when you get out that aggression or whatever, then when you get older, you're like, I don't feel the need yeah. to do that. But even here, here's a funny thing. So you know we seal the ring, right? And normally we get to your opponent's corner, you do something. Yeah. Right? I prayed for his safety. <laughs> That's Afterwards, looking back at it, I'm That's like, oh, what am I doing? Why did I do that? Like, I should have stomped or whatever, right? Wow. Why, yeah. did you, why did you take the fight? Oh, you said for food. Okay. Yeah, and, and for the experience. But um, no, so over there, like when I'm looking back at it, I could see, yeah, my mind wasn't into it. Like mm-hmm. I'm, same, if I'm competing with somebody, I don't care if I win. I want to have fun. And that was the other thing in the fight. The first kick hit true. I remember blocking it. I was like, wow, that was hard. That actually hurt. And now it wasn't fun no more. <laughs> um, you know, it makes so much sense. It's really mind over matter in so, yeah, no, it, so it much. If you, don't, if you don't have the right mentality, then you cannot do a lot of things, even if you with the right training or whatever, right preparation. Yeah, the, the only, like, I lost the fight, but I uh, was able to, because I wanted to give up during the fight. <clears throat> I felt like, this isn't fun. Why am I here? I, yeah. I should just quit. Uh, but then I had this, no matter what challenges, I can't quit. Like, that's just me. So at least I got to battle myself during the fight to not quit. That, right. that was the only victory I And not get I got knocked out. out as well. Yeah, I didn't get knocked <laughs> out. Uh, he got me with a good elbow right behind the ear, and he actually ripped my ear. So that was, I don't know, second round or something. So my ear was, eardrum was busted. My balance was off. I was seeing double, groin shots, all kind of stuff. So it was a lot of challenges in it, uh, wow. which after the fight, yeah, it made me tougher because now I, um, I had to go through something that was You learned so much. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. 
though, but the biggest regret was that I didn't let go. Meaning, like, I walked away with so many regrets. Meaning, I wish I would have this. I wish I would have that. And, and that's always the worst. That's why I always tell people when they're going to fight, leave with no regrets. Whatever you do. If it's something you ever fantasize about doing, it could be the craziest Try thing. It. Try it. Yeah. Because there's nothing worse than walking away with regrets, you know? Wow. You know, like, usually when, well, when I was fighting, my, maybe earlier in my career, as soon as I got into the ring, it would just be tunnel vision. It would just me and that person, me and the opponent. You can't hear nothing. Yeah, you can't it's, hear yeah, nothing. Yeah. You can't see anyone. Like, there's a whole crowd watching you. You don't even notice them. Mm. Um, but then later, that that's sort of adrenaline as well. But then later on, when that dies off, when you start, I started to feel like, why am I here later on? Mm. Like, throughout my career, towards the end of my career, I'm like, why am I, like, I got into the ring. I'm like, I don't want to do this. No. Why am I here? Yeah. And then those thoughts is like, okay, now it's time to ha hang the gloves up. No, really. Like nowadays you see a lot of people get a sports psychologist. Yes. Even like the highest level athlete or fighters and stuff, they get it because everybody deals with this at some time, unless you're a little bit of a sociopath. <laughs> I think, no, but honestly, I think that's what you have to be, or you have to be able to really turn off certain things. Right. So now like, so people can learn how to deal with it and be able to perform at the best. They Sports start using and performance yeah. psychologists, yes. It does help because, I mean, a lot of even athletes, not in Muay Thai, other athletes, maybe basketball or whatever, they get an even injury. sprinters. Yeah, a small injury too. could, like, psych them out, mm -hmm. and then they need someone to help push them back into it again. Yeah. Yeah, it's important. Hmm. Okay, so we both had our five careers, and we're good with that. Yeah. But, yeah, when you said that you feel like you don't want to hurt anyone anymore, I feel the same way, like... I just don't have that aggression anymore. But I do know if someone wants to do anything to me, I could help myself, but I wouldn't want to. But also, if you look at traditional martial arts, let's say, like it wasn't meant for competition defense. or anything. It was meant for defense only. And you're actually supposed to be a healer, if anything. You're not supposed to hurt people. That's the, that's the last resort. You're supposed to be able to help people all the time. That's why um, Shaolin monks, they were supposed to go out of the, the temple to go and spread Buddhism, right? Yep. And they learn Shaolin Kung Fu to defend themselves. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, the Burning Temple. That's when it really kicked in. I don't know if you heard about that. No. One. Yeah, that was the really old event when that was one of the first times that the Shaolins actually ended up using the martial arts. Uh, yeah, it was a really bad event. And that's kind of what made it also spread out afterwards. Oh, yeah, these guys could fight. Wow, you know? the Burning they Temple. They knew they trained, but they guys could actually. Fight. So yeah, that's kind of what started the whole thing with it becoming more like a, a, a martial outside of mm -hmm. the temples too, right? Wow. We you know, like same. Like I took the route of being a bad kid, and then I went into personal training, massage therapy, and stuff like that. And so I am like a person that like to help people. I want people to feel good, you know, mm. if it's physically or mentally or whatever. I don't want to. I totally people. feel the same way, so, yeah. yeah. I think um, my fighting career was more hobby than like, mm -hmm. oh, I want this to be my the rest of my life, my Maybe career. You, it wasn't like that at you all. You didn't have that much choice. <laughs> yeah, well, no, actually, my dad didn't want me to fight. Oh, he didn't? No, yeah. he didn't. Oh, okay. Uh, I just did it. Well, actually, I did it because he said I couldn't do it. So oh. Well, I'll show Rebel. you. <laughs> yeah, so then I got into fighting. Uh, I just wanted to try one fight, and then later mm. it just kind of escalated. But then I thought, okay, well, I'm over it now. And that was it. Yeah. <laughs> like, it wasn't yeah, like, I don't know. My brother never fought her. My brother, no. no. Just commentates. Yeah. yeah. Uh, another question. What do you, what's your opinion on children fights? 
Because in Thailand. I was actually just talking to a taxi driver from yeah, the airport they about this. Yeah, fight really young. Yeah. Uh, such an individual thing, too, because at a certain age, there's no power. Uh, but then you get the one kid that does have that power. Uh, like now, let's say we got a girl at uh, a camp now, <clears throat> Jody McCarthy. Oh, yeah, I know. Yeah, the Irish. beast. 12 years old. This girl is stronger than a 16-year-old girl. So now, let's say if she's fighting a, a, a Thai girl, same age. Now that's dangerous, I say. Yeah, that's true. Because she is that good and that strong. And she has pop. Meaning, like, if you hear her kicking and punching... If you don't see, you think it's an adult. This girl, not only does she fight Muay Thai, she fights in jiu-jitsu, oh, jiu -jitsu, boxing, wrestling, MMA, boxing, everything. all of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She she's definitely a future, definitely a future. Um, now, so I think if they want to have kids fight, maybe more protection. There was that thing. I think it was earlier in the year or last year that one child died yeah. during the fight or after the fight, and then they said, okay, after. Like now we're going to make it more stricter under the age of 15, 14 or 15. Yeah. They're not allowed to fight. So that happened for about two weeks. And then yeah, again, now something. it's back to. In center because it's sad because it comes down to money. I mean, like certain special, certain regions uh, of this country where they're really poor, like. Isan, in the yeah, north of Thailand. No yeah. education, uh, no options really. But Muay Thai, there's money. They can make money from the time they're like seven years old, kind of, in yeah. a way, you know. And it's really sad because now it's not just that the kids want it. It's also the parents who may be pushing them sometimes, you yeah. know. It, it'll definitely have a big effect on the child when they grow up, not just like brain damage, but they'll, like the ty the places where they're going to get hit on the, on the brain is not fully developed yet. Uh, yep. It develops later in our adolescence or adulthood. I'm learning that yeah. right now. Um, oh, but, like, decision-making, judgment, things like that, they're going to lose those abilities. So it's going to make them into delinquents when they're older, yeah. I would say. Yeah, most likely, or drugs or yeah. other bad stuff. You know, like... They can't uh, for themselves, probably. Yeah, I think uh, with Muay Thai, maybe they need to go the same route, like, let's say, like, Taekwondo or, or something like where... Which should be, yeah. Which, yeah, which should be more like a point fighting. Mm -hmm. Meaning, put all the protection they need. Make it a point fighting. After 15, yeah, maybe, you know. Like I said, with Taekwondo, uh, you're not allowed to knock in a belt until after 18, you know. And yeah, it's for these reasons, you know. That makes me so happy that I actually started fighting, like, around 18, 19. <laughs> but, but you see, like, most girls in Thailand, though, I would say 14, 16. Young, yes. As for the guys, it's, like, five, six years old, you know. Uh so, yeah, with the girls, they always pushed a little bit more about the education first. But with the boys, they kind of like, hey, hold on, you, you can make money out of it. Man. Yeah, and it's you not know? just like the, the personal get from the fight. It's also the gambling as well. So oh, who's, yeah, the who's, side bets are the big money. Side yeah. bets from their family, from their gym owner, from their friends, from whoever. So it, it becomes a big deal. But then the other side part to the is that sometimes they don't even get any money because no. the money goes to the gym, like like – the one superstar that I happened to. Yeah, um, yeah. So, mm, all you right. know, it's, it's, yeah, so then I'm, I'm yes and no on that. If they should be allowed to compete, yeah. but yeah, it should be way more control. So, way like, more control. my dad does the world championships and the kids who compete, there's no head contact. 
Yeah, no, they wear same, whole same body with a lot of karate and stuff too. And no yeah. head contact. Yeah. And I think that is the Taekwondo is the same. You were allowed to punch the body, but not the face. Yeah. But you were allowed to kick the face. Also. But oh. you had a helmet and stuff. <laughs> and you had the, these pads on your feet too. So there, there was double protection there. Yeah. But, you know, like, yeah, they need to do something where it's a lot more protected. Safety first. I mean, like, it's all about longevity. Uh, It's not about today. It's about tomorrow, kind of, in a way. Which is what we're saying. Like, Thais don't think about that. Because if you think about these children, they are the future of the country. Mm. You know? You know, and majority of of Muay Thai fighters, what do they do after? They become a trainer. Yeah. Taxi driver. Yeah. Yeah, no, exactly. (laughs) Yeah. There's not that many options because, yeah, they're not getting the education and stuff. Yeah, they usually finish school around 14. Yeah. Yeah, the age of 14. That's a legal age where they're allowed to leave. Yeah. So it's not good. Yeah, no. It, uh, um, do you so. keep up with any other any other type of fight sports? Do you watch UFC, one yeah, championship? Yeah, um, yeah, UFC I never miss. <laughs> you never uh, miss? Yeah, one UFC, uh, I try it. <coughs> I try to keep up with it as much as I can too, uh, but they always tend to clash a little bit. But uh, they have so many shows now. Yeah, you know, and they get they get really good fights too. uh. So um, now on championship, do Friday night instead of Saturday Mm -hmm. night, so maybe it won't clash anymore. (coughs) No, the only thing it clashed with was my dinner time. Uh, Uh, Yeah, that's why I only saw half the show now, last one, and then I had to watch the rest of it the next day. Last, so uh, the last question talking about one championship. What is your prediction for the final of the seventy kilogram kickboxing tournament that is now with Sami Sana and Jaja Petrosian? My prediction. Your prediction. I'm going with Sana. You going with Sana? Yeah, those knees. What really? I, I think those knees. I mean, like, I always been such a big Judson Clay fan and. And that was really sad watching that. It was really, really sad watching that. Uh, even though I knew that it could happen, and yeah, it did happen. Okay, so someone <coughs> told me, some insider, uh, that Yasin Klai struggled with the weight cut. Oh, yeah, he didn't look good at all. And yeah. he also yeah. really underestimated his opponent, meaning he did not train as well as he should have been yeah. training. So. No, like the way he normally looks. Does that really make like Sanna like... I mean, I mean, he's a very, very good fighter, very technical, he has no, he, no. great long reach. His techniques were, were on point. Are you okay? <coughs> Dying on me here. Right, Um, Yeah, so that's Sanya. Then Petrosian, who is the doctor, as they say, he's he knows kickboxing, like, since he was born. Like, he's so amazing at it. He's so clean. Well, what's the height difference in range? Sanner is way taller. Because yeah. that, that's why I his think... his range is way more, yeah. obviously. And he, and he uses it. So, yeah, I'm still go Sanner. But the power and accuracy is Petrosian. Yeah, but I don't know. Those knees, though. And I feel like Petrosian, he reads the opponent more, better. Yeah, and that's And, like, why he sets it up. Yeah, that's why, yeah. you know, when he, when he just fought Joe Natawa, he, he waited for Joe Natawa to come at him with sort of a somewhat open guard, and he just went straight through the middle of it. But he's the one that's going to have to close the distance against Sana. Yes, he will. And that, that's where Sana's going to He's a pretty forward fighter, Petrosian. You know, but that's what I'm saying, because he's the shorter one. So he's yeah. going to have to push in inside, and that's where he might run into those knees. That's mm-hmm. why I'm saying Sana. Now it's also because 
maybe I favored him, but I still see those knees. That, I don't know. This will be interesting, yeah. man. Yeah. Right. Anything yeah. else that you want to say? So you're going with Petrosian. I'm going Petrosian. Yeah. I'm going with Petrosian. Yeah. I mean, he's my Italian friends are hating me the, right now. That's the best kickboxer in the world, right? Petrosian. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So what can you say? I would definitely put him there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So anything else that you want to mention? No, not that I can think of. Uh, you're good? Yeah, okay. If it, anybody in uh, Phuket and you want to try out some Urban or Kabong, stop by Tiger Muay Thai. We got classes Monday through Friday, so you're all welcome. Yeah, you can do it in Phuket and then later come to Bangkok and do it at Lutafa before you fly out home. Yeah, which is with the <laughs> original guy, the Grandmaster Woody. So that's also a must, must definitely. All right, Chris. So thank you so much thank for joining so me much. today. It's been a pleasure. Yeah, it's really nice. Uh, thank you all for listening to this episode. Uh, please hit the subscribe button and follow the Jade Marissa podcast. Cup and cup.